1: This episode of Ten News First Person contains discussion of child sexual abuse. If this causes any issues for you, please contact reachout.com or lifeline at lifeline.org.au or by calling 131114.
2: Hi, I'm Chloe Boris. Within Australian Federal Police is a tiny unit called the Victim Identification Team. They're the ones who go through hours and hours of horrible child exploitation material trying to figure out who these children are and rescue them from abuse. It's an incredibly important job, but not many could do it. How do they cope being exposed to these confronting videos and photos then going home to their families? They've saved 10 children in just the past six weeks. I was expecting to meet hardened police officers, but there's so much more than that. They're four incredible women, all mothers, who share a unique bond. Kirstie Clark spent years looking for offenders before moving to victim identification. Her friends would tell her she wouldn't be able to do this job after having kids of her own, but she now has two little ones and she's even more motivated. So you were just saying that originally you worked in um, identifying offenders and for the past seven years you've been working to identify victims. Why do, why do you prefer this side of things?
1: I guess the reason why I work in the victim identification team is because I understand how vulnerable uh, children can be, uh, whether that's being online or whether they're um, in their home. So I guess the reason why I work um, in the victim identification team is to um, rescue children from harmful situations. So what is a typical day like? Like What do you actually do? So we... um, try and identify victims um, of online uh, sexual abuse. So a typical day would entail um, looking at uh, images or or videos of of, uh, essentially child abuse material. So um, whether that be um, a child uh, performing sexual acts uh, for the camera or whether they're actually being uh, contact offended against. And where does that material
2: come from that you go through?
1: Uh, The, we mainly, uh, the AFP victim identification team supports um, all of the joint child exploitation teams around uh, Australia. So when they execute a warrant, say in Sydney or Melbourne, we would, um, and they seize uh, different electronic devices, we would go through those devices to try and uh, find those children um, in that child abuse material.
2: Are we talking massive volumes of material here? We are seeing a huge
1: um, increase in material. Um, I, I guess it depends on which stage you're looking at. Sometimes you could have 25,000 media items, that's videos and images, or you could have up to 1.5 million um, media items. And, you know, one's not worse than the other. Like you could have, you know, the most extreme um, sexual abuse um, in smaller seizures or, um, you know, it's it's different types of material across the, the seizures.
2: How do, you, how do you do it? Like how, how, it sounds horrible. Like it sounds so horrible, obviously incredibly important, but how do you do it? Uh,
1: it's, that's a good question. Um, I guess when we come into work each day, we don't know what we're going to open up or we don't know where it's going to lead us, but when you actually find a child and that abuse stops for that child, that's what actually motivates us
0: or motivates me
1: anyway. So. How do you feel when, when that happens? Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite an exciting feeling um, for us knowing that that child doesn't have to be subjected to that abuse anymore. Um, so that's what motivates us. That's what makes us come back um, each and every day to look at the material. Um, I guess, when what also motivates me is that that child that's being abused may not have told anyone that what's happening to them so when we're looking at an image or a video that might be the only opportunity that to actually rescue that child because they've told no one so
2: you've been doing this a long time you know do do your feelings ever change in that you know have you ever do you ever get you know desensitized to how horrible this material is? Is it still just as fulfilling every single time you save a child?
1: Look, I think there is a level of desens- desensitization um, of it, but um, you know, whenever I'm looking at an image or video, I know that there's a real child in that in that crime scene.
2: So, and and then you know that feeling of of saving a child every time over the past seven years. <laughs> every single time. Oh, excitement in the team never gets
1: any less. Like we're always so motivated and, and, um,
2: like happy that we found that child so they don't actually have to go through that abuse anymore. How do you identify victims? How, how do you look at this horrible material and actually work out who they are? Look, there's a number of things that,
1: um, our, our team do. Uh, we analyze, um, images or videos and we look for clues to try and uh, locate a country of production. When you talk about like what we actually do um, in regards to that, um, probably not something that I can discuss too much. That's but okay. we we're looking for details, we're looking for clues, we're looking for accents um, in in the in the material to lead us to a country of production. And so we also use once we locate that country of production, we have a very close um, group of individuals around the world or different victim identification specialists around the world that we uh, reach out to and um, who will help us of uh, leading us to where that victim can be found in the world.
2: You're a mum of young children yourself did how you approach this job and how you cope with how you need to cope with it change since you've had children? Uh, look, it's actually made me more motivated in the team because I
1: understand how vulnerable children are. And people kept saying to me, oh, I don't think you could do that job after you've had children. Yeah. But it's actually the opposite for me. It's actually made me more motivated um, to come into work and to find particular details and images and objects and, and to actually try and find that child even more since I've become a parent.
2: How do you then switch off and go home to, to beautiful children?
1: Look... It's developed over time and I think the longer I've worked here, the, the better I am at actually separating work and home. Um, and, like, I have enough, uh, a number of coping strategies um, that we I put into place to in, in order to be able to separate those two. Um, so And also we have a very supportive, like our team's particularly close. Uh, it's not like you can go home and talk about what's happening um, for you at work or what we're actually seeing or who we're looking for or uh, what child we're trying to yeah. rescue. So the team really comes together and um, is particularly close and we bounce ideas off each other. And so, yeah,
2: so that's, um, yeah. yeah. You can definitely tell that you guys have a, it's have a, particular, a fantastic It's a relationship. unique bond. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's like no other team I've worked in the AFP. Is this something you imagine yourself doing for a long time? Look, I hope so. As long as I can keep my mental health in check and and employ my strategies um, in able to cope with what we're seeing and what we're dealing with, I don't see myself moving. Um, So that's the plan long-term, absolutely, to stay here and um, keep rescuing those children and,
2: and keep identifying those offenders as well. Doing what you do, what's your message to other parents? What do you tell know your your social friends and and what what message what what one thing do you want them to know
1: i guess um have open communication with your children um and and teach them those boundaries uh, when they're really young and also to use um to use clear words when you're talking about your body as well um so um no nicknames or slang or anything. be really clear open um, and know that they can let them know that they can come to you with any situation um, that they that they need to talk about and listen and I guess um, with kids being online so young these days, uh, they need to know that they're not going to get in trouble if something happens.
2: We, we, everything's fixable so and we can work through everything so. And, you know, over your, your time with this team, obviously you have had a lot of wins, you've saved a lot of children, but is there one thing that you're particularly proud of or one thing that just, you know, what, what's just been your proudest moment with this team? Oh,
1: I don't know. This uh, I don't know if there's one particular thing yeah, that I'm, I'm proud of. Look, every year when we, when we look at our stats for the year, um, every year that it's we celebrate whether it be 20 children 100 children each of those each one of those stats is a real child being abused in a home here in australia or overseas so we celebrate every win there's no particular case or no particular victim that's more important than the other
2: Kate Laidler's also been on the team for several years. If you ask her kids what their mum does for work, they say she rescues children. Over the years, she's got better at separating her work life and home life. Sometimes, though, it's impossible to switch off. You have what I would find the worst job in the world, but also the most important.
3: How do you do it why do you do it? Um, The team I'm a part of identified... 82 children last financial year, um, and that's the reason why we do it. 82 kids who in a lot of times without police intervention would still be being abused. Um, and so to have a hand and play a part in that, there's nothing more motivating. Um, I don't need anything else that keep me coming back to work. How, how do you cope? Because
2: it would be pretty confronting. It'd be really intense. How do, you, how, do you, how do you leave at night and go home to your own family?
3: It is confronting and we're only human. We certainly see things even after all these years that do shock us um, and sometimes affect us. I guess you come up with your own coping strategies on, on how you're going to manage that. Um, for me, I go down in the lift and I walk out those front doors and that is the end of that day. Um, and I, I've... Become really good at compartmentalising that. That when I walk through those doors, that day is done, and now I've moved on to the next part of my day.
2: Some days that's not always very easy. You mentioned, like, when Operation Arkstone was happening. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you were leaving then?
3: The pressure during Operation Arkstone, because the majority of the children being abused were here in Australia, um, was immense. Yeah you do carry that home with you, you could be the only chance to rescue that child and identify that child. So yeah, it does get to you. There's no doubt about it. Um, So we worked some long hours, but it was more stressful to walk away knowing that that child hadn't been rescued yet, that it was to stay um, and work longer hours. And, you know, if I do nothing else in my career, um, being part of that operation and working with, you know, all the investigators around Australia that rescued all of those children, if I do nothing else, then I can walk away from the AFP so proud. Do you think the general public,
2: the Australian people, would realise that this team exists and the people, the humans, that work and, and, and have to do this, this critical, critical work?
3: I think it's a it's a crime type and an area um, of work that um, a lot of people don't want to know about it. It's easier to just pretend that it's not happening. Um, but it is happening and it's happening here in Australia. It happens all around the world. The volume of material that's being seized by the AFP is just getting larger and larger. So people can pretend it's not happening, um, but the key... The key to this is education for, for parents, for carers, and also educating your children about being safe online and setting those boundaries, um, respectful relationships, all those things that um, can hopefully help keep them safe and then if something does happen, they'll come forward because they know it's not right.
0: What
2: do you tell people you do for work when they ask? Do you tell them?
3: Yeah, it's a tricky question It's a, and it is a conversation killer. A lot of people are... Um, they don't want to know much detail. And, look, I wouldn't share much detail about it. And, um, the things that we see and do, um, you can't unsee, you can't unhear. Um, and so I, I sort of don't go into too much detail about it, but it is, I am proud of the work that I do for the AFP and that the work that this team does and the work that we do with all the teams around um, the world really we celebrate every child that's rescued and saved um, so yeah I do I do tell people because it is something I'm proud of.
2: You have an amazing team the four of you uh-huh. there, there's a, a wonderful energy but clearly a very close bond as well how important is your relationship with these three other
3: Oh it's, it's everything to our mental health it's everything to our um, enjoyment to come to work and that seems like a strange word to use but we genuinely care about each other, we know each other's personalities, quirks, all those sorts of things, and that's really important to keep tabs on not only yourself but everyone else um, and how they're going with their mental mental health. But if we didn't come in and have a laugh and play table tennis over, lunch or whatever it might be that we do that we, to give ourselves a break, then you couldn't just keep coming back here. You just couldn't do it.
2: And you mentioned that some days you come in and go, you know what?
3: Today's not my day.
2: What, what happens there um or just tell, tell me
3: explain that in your mind. yeah some days it, it may be that you've been viewing child abuse material for hours every day day in and day out and you you've got to have that self-reflection and say okay i need i need to give myself a break and everyone's really accepting of us doing that whether it's just catching up on some you know recording or whatever it may be, but it, you, we all understand that sometimes you just need a break from it, and that's okay.
2: What What's the one thing you want people to know? In all your experience, everything you've seen and heard, mm-hmm. what is your message to the Australian public? What do you want them to know about this
3: space? Um, I guess there's a couple of messages about um, child abuse, and that would be educate your children and start very young. Um, I have three kids. They're very well educated. We have very simple rules that they um, need to follow. And I, I use the terminology with them quite regularly as I'm going through their Snapchat accounts and their Facebook or whatever it is that they might have is that your safety will always trump your privacy. So I'm sorry that you don't like me reading your messages, but that's just unfortunate for you. That's that was the agreement when you got those accounts that that was going to happen. So, But you need to um, listen to your kids so that when they come forward about something that might seem not particularly important to you, you believe them and then when something does happen and they need your help, they'll come forward and know that you'll listen.
2: Obviously, this material can be made up of, you know, different things, but we were chatting a little earlier about, you know, there's online grooming and Mm -hmm. there's also contact defending. Mm -hmm. Which side of things does this team mostly focus on or, you know, what type of material do you mostly see?
3: It it varies from from job to job um, and investigation, investigation. Um, Generally how the process works is that one of the investigations team will contact us and say, this is the type of job that we've got, how can you help us? And so that may be reviewing um, the material and putting it together in Victims, and then we'll go out and try and identify those victims. Um, but clearly, if there's a a, a a young child that's being abused, physically abused, sexually abused, could be horrific in nature, and some of the some of the material we see is, then um, our focus is going to go to those those jobs. That kid needs some help, and they need it now.
2: And I guess more from my background, but um, and and it'd be impossible to say. But how long can it take to identify? A particular
3: child oh look we've got cases we call them cold cases the same as you would with the homicide um team ones that we've been looking for children for 10 or 11 years um, and we we won't stop until we until we find them and sometimes that can take them into adulthood um, but i guess for us the question is always if they're if they've been abused is that offender now moved on and abused some other children so even though now maybe they're 25 Perhaps that offender has moved on to see younger, younger kids. So we'll keep at it for as long as it takes. Sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it takes us a decade. Um, we rescued a child, identified a child, a very young child last year. We've been looking for that child for almost four years. So we just, we just keep retrying. We'll re- review things. There's new technologies. We think outside the square of things that perhaps we wouldn't have think of, thought of previously. Um uh, might be we'll go to someone outside the team for some ideas because they've got some different experiences or backgrounds than we have, um, but we'll persevere. Four years
2: and you finally, finally could identify that victim. Yep. What was that
3: moment like? Um, to be honest, I almost fell off my chair because we had tried so many things for so long and with no success when it came back that we had, we'd identified that child, we had a name for that child um, it's, a, it's a mixed emotion. It's a sense of relief that you've finally got there. Um, it's pride that your perseverance has, has paid off. Um, and also, I suppose, relief for that child too, that um, they possibly won't be subjected to that abuse anymore. And you've had a hand in that. One thing you said just
2: that that child has a name. We often hear about these statistics, but every single one of them mm-hmm. is a child. With
3: a name mm-hmm. and a family who cares about them. Um, and we're not fussed whether that's an Australian child or whether that's a child overseas. A Child, um, it's it, it is the, the child has a name and they need our help, and that's that's our job. Is it hard to come to work sometimes? Um, not generally, no, no. I mean, we all take our breaks and have. You know, leave and and whatnot, but I certainly don't get up every morning, and and struggle to come here. It's it's. I mean, what more motivation do you need, really, than to to know that that's what you're you're helping a child that perhaps no one else was going to be able to help. You don't. What else do you need, really, to come to work? And your own children, you've got teenagers. Mm-hmm. Do
2: they know what you do for work?
3: Um, I rescue kids, according to them. Um, no, they don't know. They don't need to know the details um you know they they're, they're educated in, in you know respectful relationships and who can do what who can touch you where and about how they should be treated and all those kinds of things um so I guess that's their takeaway from my job is is how to be safe um, as best you can but look you can't protect your children all of the time yeah, I, I send them off to school or I send them off to sports or wherever it may be. All I can do is educate them about what's right, how to be safe and what to do if something happens and they need some help.
2: Many thanks to Kirsty Clark and Kate Laidler for taking the time to speak with me I'm Chloe Boris, and this has been a 10 News First podcast for 10 Speaks.